0: Talk with Erica Miley. Cause sexuality is tough. So and okay, sex isn't good enough. No. Sex talk with Erica Miley.
1: Hello everyone and welcome to Sex Talk with Erica Miley. Erica Miley here and I am with somebody that I think is fantastic. I'm a little bit of a fangirl of. <laughs> Brendan, do you want to introduce yourself?
0: Sure, yeah. So my name is Brendan Mahan. I am an ADHD coach, consultant, and speaker. Um, And I also have a podcast just like you do. My podcast is on ADHD. It's called ADHD Essentials. It's aimed at parents who are affected by ADHD, either because they have it or because their kids have it. Now I'm here talking to you about sex because that's how you get kids. So (laughs) So (laughs) it seems (laughs) appropriate. So that's what I do. I was recently at the international conference on ADHD presenting my wall of awful model, which is my model for the emotional impact of the repeated failure that comes with ADHD.
1: That's just so cool. And I think we should give a little plug and a little shout out to those from the Cut the Bullshit podcast group, because that's how Brennan and I met
0: Yes, that's true. And
1: we're big fans of Jeremy and every, all the folks over there. So shout out to those folks. So I just want to kind of dive right in and mm-hmm. jump into, you just mentioned your model. And I think that might be a good place to start for general skills for folks with ADHD. And I promise, audience, we will get to the sex part. But I think this part is really important because ADHD has lots of stigma around it. And there's lots of opinions about ADHD. <laughs> and Here's the deal, though. We have a, a coach right here on this show. So tell us a little bit about this model and some general skills that the audience might be able to be helpful for them.
0: I'm going to zoom out a little bit before I get to the model. Sure. Just because it's important for context. ADHD is life on hard mode. It, it just makes everything harder. That's all. It, it's harder to remember stuff. It's harder to get places on time because your uh, understanding of time is different. It's not because we're bad at time management. It's because for us, a minute is not always a minute and an hour is not always an hour. And that affects our ability to get places on time because we think we've been doing this thing for five minutes and we've been doing it for an hour. And we also struggle with the three different stages of doing something. We really only pay attention to the middle stage and we can play with this as it relates to sex if you would like. But there's sort of three stages to doing something, right? You have to set it up, you have to do it up, and then you have to clean it up. And we only want to do it up. We don't want to set it up and we don't want to clean it up.
1: (laughs) I laugh because Brendan's aware of this, that I have two family members that have ADHD. So I am laughing because I'm thinking of all of the experiences we've had doing this very thing.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it just makes it hard. Like We just have to train ourselves that part of making pancakes is making sure you have eggs before you pour all the stuff in the bowl. And another part of making pancakes This is the part I struggle with the most: is putting the box of pancake mix back in the cabinet, and putting the milk back in the fridge, and cleaning the bowl, (laughs) and all of that stuff.
1: At the end of the day, in our household, this the end of the day. It's like okay, you can see how life has gone throughout the day. Throughout what's out on the counter and what's on the floor, and
0: yes, and I realized I just sort of ninja self disclosed. So I have ADHD. That's a piece of why I get to work with people who have ADHD, because I have it, so I get it. I've been looking out of ADHD eyes for 41 years now. I also come at it with a master's degree in education and a master's degree in counseling. So I come to it from a very education heavy focus and then a counseling focus. So that's sort of my perspective. And again, I work with kids and families, so that's that sort of how it works in the home, how it works as it relates to productivity, job stuff, school stuff. That's my, my angle. But sex is, of course, a really important part of relationships and of how we relate to each other.
1: And that's an excellent way to segue us. Yes. I appreciate that. Uh, what do you think you and I can talk, we can just kind of really flesh this out, that how ADHD can impact an adult's sex life?
0: Because ADHD is life on hard mode we can struggle with rejection and we can struggle with imposter syndrome and we can we often feel like we're living a lie and like we're not worthy because success is harder for us to attain and because we fail more than other people do if you can kind of get inside that skin for a minute right everything for you is harder than than it seems to be for everybody else you feel like you have to be perfect at everything Because your perfection is everyone else's okay, and you don't feel like your okay is good enough. Your okay is good enough, just so you know, but you're kind of feeling like it's not. And especially for men, but also women, being successful and feeling worthy plays a really prominent role in how we approach sex and whether we feel like we're worthy of sex or not, whether we feel like we're worthy of that connection. Right. And so if you're not feeling worthy, or you're barely feeling worthy, just asking can be hard. And if you're in a relationship where that ask is not always a yes, that can feel very, very vulnerable and scary, sometimes to the point of being too daunting to even make the ask. And so you're not asking and maybe, maybe you're in a relationship where it's not that you're not worthy. It's not that you're not perfectly attractive. It's that your spouse just doesn't have the same level of sex drive that you have. Because a lot of folks with ADHD were like, we could have sex every day and it'd be fine. <laughs> and sometimes we wind up with people who are like, once a month is good. That's really all I need.
1: Right. That mismatch of the way I kind of describe sex drive is like gas and brakes and the lack of understanding of each other's gas and brakes is essentially what we're talking about.
0: Yeah. But if let's say that I'm an everyday sex person and my spouse is a once a month is plenty person. If I'm asking, maybe even if I'm only asking once a week or every other day or something, I'm not asking all the time that I want to have sex, but I'm still getting no's more often than yeses. That rejection is going to play into all of my feelings of lack of self-worth, all of my feelings of lack of self-confidence, and I'm going to stop asking because folks with ADHD often struggle with rejection. Rejection hits us really hard, both because of the stuff I just described and also because part of ADHD is difficulty regulating your emotions. So we tend to spike our emotions a lot faster and a lot higher than someone who is neurotypical. So an ask on our end that's met with a no from our partner, they might think it's not a big deal, they're just like, not right now. And we're like, oh my God, end of the world. But that's not their perspective. And often in relationships, when you're asking for sex and you get rejected and you feel like it's the end of the world, you shut down or you do your best to hide that, how much that rejection hurt, because you don't want your partner to feel bad or whatever. And then you stop asking. And if you have a partner whose sex drive isn't that high and you're not asking, now you're not having sex. And you might be starting to feel resentful of that, might be getting frustrated by that, and it's the underlying insecurity that ADHD breeds in people who have it is playing a really prominent role in that miscommunication, in that misunderstanding, and just making sex within this couple a lot harder.
1: I think what you're saying is absolutely incredibly important because as you were talking, I was thinking of all of the, the folks that I've worked with in the past and folks that I've done consultations with. And I'm thinking of the folks who identified that they had ADHD. And then in addition to that, they don't feel like they fit into a specific gender category or they are a trans person. And I would imagine then that rejection then can feel so insurmountable mm-hmm. if then you, you're you dealing with ADHD and you're trying to figure out your own identity.
0: Yeah. Because now you're dealing with two and three different levels of trauma, right? You've got the trauma of ADHD because having ADHD is traumatic. It's just trauma from a million little cuts as opposed to one event. And if you're transgender or or gender fluid or bisexual or whatever- you're also experiencing trauma from that out of the mainstream identity. And that might be some major events, or it might be a million little cuts. So now I'm engaging in things that are related to my sexual identity, trying to have sex with someone, and that rejection is hitting me on two fronts. Yeah,
1: absolutely. And how absolutely overwhelming to the senses it would be, how overwhelming emotionally that would be. I think this might be a good opportunity to talk a little bit about some skills that we could potentially offer some folks, maybe just some basic skills at that little step in the right direction. Obviously, we would both endorse therapy and coaching in particular. Mm-hmm. Those types of things are incredibly important and incredibly helpful and can change your life. But if there was a skill, one or two skills you would suggest, what, what would you suggest to somebody who's kind of brand new or jumping into this?
0: I really love the phrase don't yuck my yum, or I don't mean to yuck your yum, or however you want to put it, right? You like what you like. And if you're in a relationship with someone who doesn't like what you like, you're going to have to communicate around that. You're going to have to start recognizing where the boundaries are. So this is a pretty typical thing for folks with ADHD. Let's say I have a higher sex drive than my partner. and I subsidize with porn let's go with subsidize if that's part of what's keeping our relationship healthy is that the adhd person is using porn and the non-adhd person probably doesn't know about it because often porn brings a lot of shame to the person who's using it if you can have a conversation around that and make it okay then that is a huge relief for the ADHD person using porn or just someone who doesn't have ADHD that's using porn because they have a higher sex drive than their partner. It doesn't have to be ADHD, but sort of normalizing that and not yucking their yum can go a long way to creating some relief for that person. And then related to that, if you've brought porn into the relationship and that's a thing you do as part of your foreplay or whatever, Find out what the boundaries are around like this is stuff I can be okay with. This is stuff that hard stop, I'm not going there. and that then there's stuff in the middle. We'll so see kind of see how it plays out because I've never dabbled in that area before. But knowing where the boundaries are can really go a long way towards communicating more freely around sex. It doesn't have to be porn. It can be I'm okay with butt stuff. I'm not okay with butt stuff. That's really a really important thing, but it's also a hard conversation to have. I know there's tools out there on the internet. I'm not remembering the name of the one I'm thinking of, but there's some where you sort of each partner goes through a checklist of, do you like this? Do you not like this? Could you be okay with this? If your partner was okay with this? Is it a hard stop? You're never doing that.
1: Ooh, I have that one. It's from Tristan Terramino's stuff. It's from opening up. I'll actually, I'll drop that into the show notes so that folks can take a look at it. It's in a PDF and it's a free resource. I think that's an excellent, an excellent resource. Thank you for mentioning it.
0: The one I'm thinking of is actually on the internet. It's like you do it online. And the advantage there is if my spouse and I fill out a PDF, then all of my weird kinky stuff that I'm uncomfortable about, my wife sees that whether or not she's down with it. And that's really vulnerable. But there's stuff online where you only see the stuff that matches. So if you're like, all I want to do is like just have anal sex all day, and your wife is like, I don't want to have anal sex, then anal sex just doesn't come up. And so now you don't know who said no. You know if you said no, and you can just make the assumption they said no too, if that feels safer for you, it's sort of a smoother, more gentle way to navigate that.
1: I'm going to see if I can find it so I can put it into the show notes because I think it would be a wonderful resource.
0: Connected to that is there's also a, there's a game bliss. That's the name of it. Bliss games for couples. And so it has a questionnaire like that built into the game that you sort of do when you start and the game just sort of walks you through having sex. So it's like, it's sort of a board game and you land on different board game categories. And it's like, now you're in prison. And if you want to get out of the prison, your husband is the prisoner and you're the guard or whatever. And if your husband wants to get out of prison, then he has to do X to get out. And it takes into account arousal rates. You say like I arouse quickly or I arouse slowly. And when you load into the game, you say I'm at this level of arousal roughly. And so it takes that into account with regard to what you're doing.
1: I'm looking at this. It looks like there's actually an Android app, which I'm like, Oh my gosh. Okay. Uh, Listeners, I promise these links will be in the show notes.
0: There's a component of the game that's full of like intimate connection questions because the game is really about connection. So if that's not a thing you want to do in your sex life, and there's plenty of people out there who are not interested in having meaningful conversations right before they have sex, you can just not play that part.
1: Interesting. Okay, cool. This is an excellent segue into... What I think generally chronic conditions like ADHD, how they impact our lives and consent. You've already even alluded to it. How do you think this impacts a person's ability to say yes or no?
0: ADHD, you mean? It makes it harder. Folks with ADHD sometimes aren't that tuned into other people's needs and other people's desires as well as they could be particularly if the adhd person's need is or desire is higher it can be hard for us to slow down and to rein it in so really clear communication is important when it comes to sex because if the adhd person's going too fast then the other person has to let them know and help them slow down they shouldn't just give in to that that roller coaster rider that steamroller of the adhd person But the enthusiasm of the ADHD person can sometimes make slowing them down hard. You might not want to have that conversation because it could ruin the mood or whatever.
1: Right. And so having those consent conversations, those boundaries, creating that, not only just a checklist with my clients, I talk about, hey, it's okay to decide and say, I like this. I don't like this before you are in the middle of having sex.
0: Right. And build structure around it. That's one of the advantages of the game that I just mentioned. It builds a structure around sex, and it's unique and interesting, so it's going to help the ADHD person engage more effectively than, than they might otherwise.
1: And our brains love novelty, period.
0: Right, but you can build structure around having a conversation outside of the actual sex, and it can be a conversation that you revisit every month or every three months or whatever, depending on where you are in your relationship. I recommend at least revisiting that kind of a conversation. Once a year around what am I interested in? What do I like? What's working? What's not working? But also structure around when is it okay to initiate sex? How is it okay to initiate sex? Some people, physical touch and sort of hugging and then maybe the occasional naughty grope or something is an okay way to initiate sex. And for other people, they need to have it be verbally discussed. And you got to navigate that. What sorts of comments are okay and what comments are not okay? When are those comments okay or not okay? Maybe it's okay for you to say all kinds of dirty things to your spouse, but if there's kids around, whether they're your kids or not, or you're out at the supermarket, it's not okay. Or maybe it is okay at the supermarket. I don't know. (laughs) But if it's okay in one venue and then suddenly not okay in another venue, the person with ADHD might not make that connection. They might get caught up in, in the dopamine role and the excitement role. And just not realize that, oh, it was fine to have this conversation in the car, but now that we're walking into the library, I probably should not keep talking about it.
1: Right. And understanding that your surroundings and the person that you're with, that may change based on physical setting, emotional setting, however that might look, it can change moment to moment. I think that people that don't deal with ADHD struggle with this as well, especially when it comes to sex. Because, well, generally people struggle to talk about sex at all Mm -hmm. and there's so much shame wrapped around it that it's hard to know like oh maybe i should be talking to my partner about hey mm, no i don't necessarily like to hold hands in the grocery store right or hey i do like the little wink in the grocery store whatever it is Mm -hmm. i often describe this to my folks my my clients and even my friends i say this is the state of the union our government has figured out that we should be at the very least once a year be talking about how things look from a 30,000 foot view. We should be doing that with our relationships too.
0: Right. And and what you just said about how this is challenging for everyone. And then you bring in ADHD, which is life on hard mode. Yeah. And it makes it even harder because it's okay for me to grab my husband's butt at home it's okay for me to grab my husband's butt when we're walking through the park or when we're at the beach but then i go into the grocery store and i grab my husband's butt and he swats it away and neurotypical person feels rejected by that adhd person feels incredibly hurt by that the rejection hits them that much harder and i don't know how they respond they might yell they might fight they might shut down they might leave the grocery store who knows but it's gonna hit them harder. And now it's that much more difficult to have a conversation around, I just don't like it when you touch my butt in the grocery store because our neighbors are there and it just makes me feel uncomfortable because of the stronger emotional response that the person with ADHD had.
1: Yeah, they connect that experience now with failure.
0: Right, and so too does their spouse. They wanna avoid that strong emotional response if they can, so maybe they don't bring up the conversation even though they really need to.
1: Yes, Oh, yes.
0: Another component of ADHD that I want to point out yes, that um, is sort of on the other side of what I've been, the picture I've been painting so far, because I've sort of been painting the like the ADHD person is the horn dog. But on the other side of that, ADHD people also struggle with attention and maintaining that attention and distractibility is a thing. Sometimes they space out during sex and depending on how tuned in your partner is or how good they are at faking it when they space out that can sever connection really fast and cause the other partner to feel rejected. And that's not what happened. It's just the ADHD one in that moment for any number of reasons. It could be that like it's taken a little bit longer to get the motor started or it's taken a little longer to have the orgasm come around and they're doing, you know, kind of the same thing, trying to get their partner to bliss and they're not, it's not engaging anymore. It was engaging for the first five minutes, but now we're on minute seven and a half. And they're sort of like, what am I going to have for dinner? <laughs> Cause at this point they can do that while they're doing whatever they're doing, but the disconnect can happen there. And so know that that's a thing. Don't get upset by it. Don't get offended by it. You can come back from that. And also, Novelty is fun. So bring something else into the bedroom every now and then. If that distractibility seems to be extra high, if you're having if you're the ADHD person, you're having a distracted day anyway, and but sex is on the table for tonight, maybe bring some toys to the bedroom, maybe bring a couple games to the bedroom or whatever, so that it can help you stay tuned in. And if you're the non-ADHD partner and you know they're having a hard day or it's been a long week or they haven't had a day off, and you're trying to help comfort them from this long two weeks of nonstop productivity. You're trying to help them relax. Also bring a little bit of something extra that's going to spice stuff up beyond however spicy you happen to be, just in case, so that they don't have this two week long stress fest. You try to help them feel better. And it just becomes an argument because they can't get it up or can't get aroused or can't have an orgasm or whatever the case may be.
1: Right. I do get the question often from Many of the relationship types I work with That oh but I don't want to plan Sex because of spontaneity (laughs) And that's It's the thing and I don't mean to To laugh like I'm laughing at it It is because we this it is the novelty That we want Mm -hmm. But here's the thing we can plan novelty
0: Yep and also Planning sex doesn't mean you can't have Spontaneous sex That's right it just means you know you're gonna have Sex
1: Yes absolutely Absolutely And there can be those spontaneous elements that can be created in those moments that can create pleasure for both people and help maybe one of the ADHD folks to be able to really stay engaged and connected to their partner.
0: Right. And I want to zoom out really quick and say, don't ever plan sex. (laughs) Plan a time of connection. And if that connection becomes sex, awesome but if that connection is the two of you laying naked under the covers and spooning while you talk about your day that's okay too.
1: Absolutely. You and I were talking about before we we jumped on here that sometimes we misattribute that men in particular are all about that sex part. Mm-hmm. That it but more than anything it's actually no they're they're about the connection part just like everyone else in this world.
0: Right. Yeah. So as men We've been acculturated to believe that it's all about the sex part for us. We're also not allowed to feel vulnerable, and connection and intimacy is a period of vulnerability. That's what that is, and sex is not a period of vulnerability, at least not in the same way. It's not as obviously vulnerable, even though sometimes it is vulnerable. And it's much more stimulating. It's much more distracting for the ADHD person. But even for men, men with ADHD, men without ADHD, it's a really about that connection, and and if. If for some reason your partner is unable to have sex with you, but you can still maintain a high level of intimacy without it, your relationship will probably be okay, provided that eventually you can get back to the sex or you can supplement with something. Maybe they're just pleasuring you or something like that for the time being. But it's the intimacy that drives the desire for sex. But admitting to that and even being aware of that sometimes as men brings about a level of vulnerability that is difficult for us. Well, not me, but <laughs> <laughs> but I have I'm a little I'm a little special, I guess. <laughs>
1: <laughs> so, I think this conversation has been so wonderful and I so appreciate you coming to chat with me today. And I do want people to be able to find you in the world. How do they get to you? How do they find you? How do they find the podcast?
0: My podcast is ADHD Essentials. Look for it on all of your podcast players. That's ADHD, E S S E N T I A L S. And my website is adhdessentials.com. That's really all you need. That's the way to do it. My brand is not sex heavy at all. <laughs> like right, sex right. doesn't really come into my brand at all because I'm working with kids and that kind of stuff. So this is a little off script <laughs> for me, but it's still an important thing that we need to, people need to know about. So thank you for having me on.
1: Absolutely. And I think that. Sex is, especially as clinicians and coaches and psychotherapists and doctors and chronic conditions affect every part of our lives, Mm -hmm. including our sex lives. Right. So I'm so glad that you agreed to come on. And even though I know that this isn't the the day-to-day conversation for you. No, thank
0: you very much. (laughs) And, And I should probably add, one of the things that I do in my ADHD business is I provide workshops for parents who are affected by ADHD. And since sex is how you get to be a parent, I think I started there since sex is how you get to be a parent. I should probably point that out. And so those workshops are not even workshops. It's a, it's a coaching group. Um, we meet online. The next group starts up in January. It'll run for eight weeks. Every week has a theme, things like structures and systems, communication, connection, emotions, questions, that kind of stuff. So if that's useful to folks, feel free to email me at brendan, B-R-E-N-D-A-N, at ADHDessentials.com, or you can go to the website and there's a form on there you can fill out.
1: Thank you again so much. Thank you. And everybody, I'm going to say it again. Everything will be available in the show notes. And you can always please jump on, rate and review five stars, especially in iTunes. That's how all of us get found, both Mm -hmm. Brendan and I. That's how we get found. (laughs) So if you have any other questions or anything, I know Brendan will happily answer them. So jump on there and shoot him an email or jump onto the podcast and listen to everything he's got there. He's got some really cool stuff. So thank you, folks, for sticking around to the end. We will see you next time. Thanks for listening, folks. Please rate and review on iTunes. It helps this podcast get found. If you leave a five-star review, let me know about it on any social media, and I'll shout you out on the podcast. You can find my website at ericamiley.com. You can find me on Facebook, the Gram, and Twitter. See y'all next time.